Hi, welcome to the Players Club. I have the NBA Australia representative, Mr. Binyam Kadani, on the line. My brother, how are you? Welcome to the Players Club. I'm good, my man. Appreciate you having me on, man. Yeah, thank you for coming on. It's uh, it's an exciting time, 2020. Uh, All-Star break is over. The season's getting into full swing again. Last uh, third. Some say it's the second half, but it's more like 25 games, so closer to a third of the season left. And um, we're just going to get straight straight into it. No messing around. Uh, we're going to run through the standings in the West and the Eastern Conference and then talk about our awards. So at first, I want to run through my Eastern Conference standings and then bounce off one another from there. So at first, I've still got the Bucks standard. But then I've got the Celtics following on after them in number two. We'll get the Raptors in at three and the Heat uh, finishing off the top four, getting the last home court spot. Uh, we're going to have your Sixers coming in at fifth, Pacers at six, uh, the Nets at seven, and then my Magic pulling up at eight. How does that look in comparison to your list? I think that's pretty uh, pretty close to me. I think uh, I think the Bucks still still definitely they're running away with uh, with the Eastern Conference. I think they're going to be. Uh, I mean, they're on pace for seventy wins right now, which yeah, uh, which they're still on track. Yep. Um, but then going on from there, there's kind of that gap. So you got the Raptors and Celtics. Uh, I think they're going to still still be there. I think the Sixers do sneak in uh, and get home court advantage because they they need it, man. They they can't play uh, on the road, so they uh, they yeah need to for sure. Who do you uh, think, which uh, which spot do you think the Sixers are going to grab then, if you're saying they're going to get that home court spot? Are they going to sneak in at fourth, or do you think they're going to have a bit of a run in this last uh, third of the season? It's it's hard for the Sixers because, you know, I mean, they've got they've got a pretty tough road home. They've got uh, one of the harder schedules, I think, outside of New Orleans uh, on, the, on the run home. So it's going to be tough for mm -hmm. them. Uh, but I, I still think they're going to do enough to get past. Uh, I think the Miami Heat have probably regressed to the mean a little bit. You know, they they started mm. the crazy. Um, we've already kind of seen that now. Um, you know, they're still again a dominant team at home. Similar kind of problems that the Philly are having. They're thirteen and seventeen uh, on the road. But uh, I, I trust the Sixers a little bit more. Trust uh, the Sixers a little bit, Heat, which you know sounds crazy because the Sixers haven't really given us. Uh, haven't given. <laughs> yeah, no, hundred percent. What do you think um, about the uh, decision to bench Al Horford? Like, this is somebody who has been a key contributor for a lot of successful teams and um, just signed a really big contract, four years, 100 mil, and now to be coming off the bench. Like, do you think this is the last resort sort of decision or do you think this is something that will make that impact to get them into the home court uh, slot? But then also push in the playoffs. You know, I think it's it's a tough one because you got a guy you brought in on a max deal who's been mm. a successful contributor on playoff teams in the past. But the fit with Philly is always, you know, an issue with Embiid and Simmons both occupying that space in the paint. And mm. you know, Al Horford and Horford's does, not the best shooter anyway. He's a good shooter, but he's not that much. Yeah, of a he's, a, he's a reliable player. enough, you know, catch and shoot guy. But you know, that that's not really where he does his best work. So. For him to be moving to the bench, it, it gives the Sixers a whole nother look. It opens up a lot more space for them uh, with the starting unit. And he's still going to get his, you know, 28, 30 minutes a night. It's just going to be staggered uh, to let Ben Simmons and Joel kind of cook 
Um, you yeah. know, that, that's that's what the Sixers need is they need those two guys to to dominate. So I like the move. You know, Al Horford. Credit to him. You know, you got to put your ego aside. Uh, yeah, he's a good team player. He's like representing yeah. himself really well. Hundred percent. So I, I think that's going to work out well for them, and and I'm really excited to see what they do in the you know the, the last sort of 25 games because they were they were they were starting to look like they're getting it together just before the All Star break. Um, so I think they go into the fourth. I think the Heat will still be there uh, in the fifth seed, and and this is where it gets interesting. You've got the Pacers, Nets, and Magic there right now, but mm. teams like Charlotte and Washington, Charlotte, you know they 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 think they're going to make the playoffs. They're, they're they're in the tenth seed at the moment, and again, them and the Wizards have very light schedules uh, coming home, so they could well sneak in. But I still think the Pacers will be there. Um, the Nets is a tough one because Kyrie's done for the season now, and you got to wonder for them. It's it's all. It's always been about next season. Uh, yeah, so, for sure, for sure. But I think they still want to be competitive. I don't think they're, you know, they're, they're not a team that's like, all right, we're not going to make the playoffs. Let's let's bottom out. This is going to be good experience for the guys on this roster. They made the playoffs last season, so having another playoff run, even if it is just the first round, and you know, maybe and it's whack- legit the same. Isn't this the same crew? They're bringing the same crew back again, as well. Exactly. Yeah, so the team that I think is most likely to to drop out from there is is maybe the Orlando Magic. Yeah, um, let's go. That's, come on, man. We don't we don't need the playoffs. We don't need them. <laughs> we, we don't need them. As, oh, we can drop off. But the thing is, we could take seventh too. Like there is, uh, we have the third easiest schedule going forward. Um, we are only trailing Brooklyn by uh, two games, and legit, like. I think as much as uh, the other teams, like you're saying, Washington and Charlotte are pushing for eighth, it's really you're pushing to be swept. Um, I don't think we, I, I don't think we're going to get a game if we get uh, the Bucks in the first round. I think yeah. that's going to sweep Wizards as well, uh, Hornets as well. So if, but if we can get the second, uh, sorry, if we can get the seventh seed, that gives us a chance to maybe play somebody like the Raptors or the or the Pacers or someone like that. So. You could actually win a game, more definitely, more than likely not win the series. But because we still, the Magic is still playing as the best defense in the league. They're still allowing the least amount of points, but we're scoring the second least amount of points. So <laughs> it doesn't, uh, it doesn't quite match up as good as you'd expect. But um, I think I as think well, going back to the Nets, I don't, I don't I th- trust the Wizards or the Hornets. I don't. I. I, I they're going to make a push, but. It's going to be tough. The, the, the Wizards are already, you know, they're, they're five, uh, oh, sorry, three games behind the Magic there, and, and they've shown that they, they can't play defense. They don't want yeah, to play. Yeah, they're, they're, they're the opposite. They're on the opposite side of the coin as the Magic, so they're like a top offense, but the worst defense. So yeah. it's really it's really who, who kind of wants it more, I guess, between the two of them. But then because of the fact, like you were saying, with Kyrie done for the season, I think this is probably going to propel – the nets up a little bit more um, and probably they'll solidify that seventh spot more than likely because Levert and uh, Karis Levert and uh, Spencer Dinwiddie will now be able to have that opportunity to take the team over and be those star players. But I think uh, one of the... You know, same as the Celtics, there's a little bit of a, hey, we can do this, not without you, but we've shown we can make the playoffs in the past. Yeah. They obviously wait. And it's, an, and it's just it's not a coincidence that it's Kyrie again. It's yeah. 
It's not a coincidence. And, uh, but I, the, the thing that I wanted to point out for the Nets is that Joe Harris is a uh, free agent at the end of the year. So I think he's going to ball out and I think he's going to try and get paid and get paid well because uh, shooting is still in very high demand and this is probably the you can, top five shooter in the league. And uh, with the Nets payroll next year, I have a feeling they won't have the opportunity to sign him back to the contract that he expects. So I think he's going to really take advantage of this I, I think you've where you got to bring him back. That's, that's a guy that's low maintenance, can shoot the three really well. And when you've got a team with ball handles like Kyrie and, and, and KD, you need guys that can be effective without having to touch the ball. They don't run that many plays for a guy like Joe Harris. It's catch and mm. shoot for screen. So he's the kind of guy that if you've got championship aspirations, these are the kind of pieces, the Dinwiddies, the Harrises, these are the guys that will make it go for them once they're at uh, full strength next season. For sure, for sure. But he wasn't mentioned in that interview by Kyrie, though. Does that matter, though? I mean, Kyrie says <laughs> <laughs> Like deep down, like those things affect people. Like, you know, those sorts of conversations. I know Kyrie comes across as a guy who who just kind of is free in regards to what he says. And he's trying to be as realistic and as, you know, as logical as he thinks he might sound. But when somebody hears that, like, you know, that's got to be in your head. Like I'm a competitor. Like if somebody talks like that and, you know, doesn't include me, that sits in your mind. And I think that's going to be something that's going to drive him to play better. But then also it's going to, uh, once the season ends, he's just going to be out looking for himself. And if the the check comes from someone else that says 25 mil and Brooklyn's only given 18, 17, something like that, man, he's given the deuces. He's out. <laughs> <laughs> nah, I think, I, think, I think he's coming back. I think an opportunity like that to play on a championship contending team, because that's what the Nets will be next season. They'll... They have a very yeah. good chance to, to shake up the entire Eastern Conference. And, you know, outside of the Bucs, I, I, I think at full health, you know, well, even, even with the Bucs, I think at full health, the Nets have the potential to be the number one team in the, uh, in the Eastern oh, Conference. Next. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, for sure. For sure. Everything and I think... Uh, 2020 with 21. 2021, yeah. And it's, with Kyrie shutting it down for the season, the... It's kind of just a wait, not a wasted year, but a kind of development year for them as a franchise because of everyone's ready for it and it's a big countdown. It's it's like back in the days when uh, Derrick Rose was injured and they were having that countdown waiting for him to come back. It's the same sort of feeling where it's like this is no one's the expectations are low, but uh, the expectations are going to be magnified to the to the nth degree once KD's back. So we'll see, we'll see. But uh, another contender that I definitely have learned to appreciate this year is Celtics. I put them at number two uh, in the East by the end of the year. Where did you have them on your list? I, I think they'll hover around that uh, that third seed. I think, uh, sorry, yeah, they'll, they'll still be a top four team, I think. Uh, the Raptors, the Raptors are no joke, so they're going to they're gonna be right there with them. But I like what Boston has done this season, and a lot of it has been the fit of Kemba Walker making everything go. He's, he's yep. clearly a better fit on this team than Kyrie. Great. I'm not saying great. he's a better player, but the fit is a lot better. And Jason Tatum is quietly putting together one heck of a season for the, uh, for the Celtics. He's, 
he's right there in terms of this guy's about to take the next step to be, you know, a top two, three guy uh, in so the conference. Just, yeah. uh, he's away. He was, he's the guy, he was one of the players that I wanted to definitely profile and focus because, uh, focus on, because uh, his rookie season was like beyond, beyond unbelievable. Like you weren't expecting that with the whole Markel trade, uh, Celtics coming down to draft him. There was, you know, it already started with a high expectation. He started a bit slow, but then progress, progress, progress to the point where, you know, he takes his team to the Western Conference Finals, or he's a, doesn't take the team, but, you know, is a, a key, key con- contributor. And then last season to just have that drop-off, you know, where people were doubting him, and I was definitely one of those people that were doubting the type of player he could be. But um, I've been paying attention this season and then uh, got to watch the uh, Clippers game really in-depth and uh, this is this is the 2020 team Mac man. This is the 2020 team Mac. Super like smooth, that. super right. smooth, super long. Can do anything. Can do everything on the court. And it's just and it's just weird. He's he's just got this ultimate confidence now. Like when he dunked on LeBron in the playoffs, you know that's that was obviously the start of him realizing, you know, like I can be an NBA. I can really be an NBA player now. And he's obviously took that the wrong way in his second season and tried to be somebody that is not. But now he's like has this crazy inside-outside game where he he knows when to drive, he knows when to shoot. Um, he's also a, an amazing defender. Like I saw him on one play guard Kawhi and Lou and Lou Williams at the same time, <laughs> and and like stop and stop the play, like switching, fighting over screens, fighting in between screens, and it was. And it was like, man, that's my boy T-Mac right there. That's T-Mac in green. Like, no doubt. Uh, no doubt. And, and you've got to give him a lot of credit for the way he's changed his offensive game this year. Because, that's what you know, I mean. That's what was I mean. A, lot of the, a lot of the mid-range stuff. I mean, and, he, and his finishing around the rim at the start of this season was it was awful. Like this guy mm. at that size with that speed, you know, he, he's able to get to the rim, but he wasn't able to, to convert a lot of those plays. As the season's gone on, this guy's become a real problem at the rim. He was already a good shooter, but now he's got that off-the-dribble game. He line. just knows. He just the flick of wrist, snapped his wrist in. Oh, 100%. So, and it's, and it's, between- and it's, I, I watch, I, I want somebody, and I feel like it might even be me, to find the clips of T-Mac and uh, Jason Tatum the same way they used to do Kobe and Jordan, like side by side. <laughs> and, I swear, like, you're going to see the same person. Like, the way he ju- he just jumps. They don't shoot the same because Team Mac had a kind of kind of weird way of shooting. But, like, the way they move, it's, like, in slow motion, but it's quick at the same time. And their arms are so long that they get so low to the ground without actually being so low. And he's athletic, too. And he uses his athleticism nicely to- and plays within the offense now. And I think... Going back to your Kemba example, like that's the upgrade from Kyrie to Kemba. Like the atmosphere with Kyrie there was a me, me, me attitude all the time. And that's obviously went, uh, got into Jason Tatum's head too. People are kind of harsh on Kyrie here because you got to understand the situation. Kyrie is an NBA champion. Kyrie is a multiple-time All-Star. He hit maybe the biggest shot in NBA history. Oh, no, it's not maybe. It's not, it's not, it's not maybe. 
It's, it's not. It's not a maybe. He has the biggest shot in the NBA. Yeah, so he wasn't rolling in there to take orders from some teenagers. That's not how it's going to go down. So yeah. I don't put the players. It's. It was just the circumstance wasn't quite right because Kyrie is still that guy. It's just fit is everything in the NBA. Uh, and the other thing is Jason Tatum's only twenty one. Twenty. Can't even drink yet. Can't <laughs> even buy a beer. What? The, the sky's the limit for this kid. But I, I like what they got going on in Boston. But the Toronto Raptors are another team that a lot of people thought were going to fall off. I thought they were still going to be a playoff team, but maybe like, you know, five or a six seed. But you got to give a lot of credit to Nick Nurse because he's coaching, coaching, coaching right now. And look, Siakam is obviously a big reason why they haven't felt that drop off. But it's guys like Fred Van Vliet. It's guys like Terrence Davis. You know, they, Terrence they keep Davis. Putting these guys the in dude the from Haiti too. Drafted. So the, the management in Toronto deserves a lot of credit because if you can lose a guy like Kawhi Leonard and get better, I'm not saying they're better, but I'm, the record is better. The record says so. A lot of credit. Yes. So that's, that's, that's a big thing for Toronto is that they find diamonds in the rough all the time. They have the best development uh, in the league right now. So it's, that for it's, me, I think, I think it's because like the, what I've been listening, what I've been reading to a lot is the fact that the Raptors really take their, player development like beyond super serious like they use their g league team for a purpose it's not just to kind of fill in the gaps or get the odd player here and there it's like they want to they want to promote players from within their system and they're building this system with nick nurse and uh Masai at the top where it's just like this funneling of players that are coming out of nowhere like you said terence davis is like who is terence davis but now he's going to be a player that's playing 20 minutes uh, in the playoffs. Um, and then they're getting con- contributions from every like Powell. Powell's getting on. OG's getting on. Serge is still playing unbelievable. Like, how how did how did we just trade Serge for a packet of chips and now he's contributing on a playoff contender, championship contender? Like, that... It makes me so sad when I think about the stuff that the Magic do when you see a team like... When you see a team like the Raptors that are just moving, moving, irrespective of superstar player. But um, the thing that the what stands out for the Raptors for me is that legit every single one of their player plays, every single one of their players play defense. Um, they're all long and, and athletic and have that capability. And then it's just a matter of fitting them in a certain spot on the offensive end. But because they got somebody like Pascal, who's a do-everything on both sides of the court now, you know, you've got a leader in Lowry, you've got a leader in Van Vliet, you know, championship pe- championship pedigree. It's like this season was, this season, no matter what was, whatever for the fans, like they didn't care. They're still hung over from their championship <laughs> parade. Like, well, that's the thing. When you're the defending champion, you can't tell these players nothing. They just no beat the way. That's what. But they're so working. The they're working like champions. Like they got that chip on their shoulder. Like Kawhi's not here, but we don't need Kawhi. We're just as good, you know. Like pretty much, they've just Pascal's taking the Kawhi role, and OG Ananobi's taking the Pascal role. And we'll just we'll just see where they go from there, man. They got the brat, and oh, they just got. Nick Nurse, we'll we'll get on him a bit later, or I'll bring him up a bit later. But that is, he is going to go down as a very very special coach. Like not just the fact that he won on his first season, because uh, some people can, can can tie that to Kawhi directly. 
But I think he's going to continue to prove himself as a an amazing coach. And this considering that he took the spot. On defense. Like, this guy is creative. He's running high school plays. Like, there's nothing. High school plays, yeah. And, it, and to, to imagine that he replaced the coach of the year when he took, uh, I forgot his name, yeah, the previous two. And that's, that's, again, credit to Masai Ujiri. You're going to trade away a guy like DeRozan, who's been a very loyal servant He's there. the mainstay of your, your team. Like, I'm Toronto through and through. Assistant. Like, damn. So that, that's why I give the Toronto Raptors management a lot of credit, not only for the moves they made, but the, you know, the confidence it takes to do that because <laughs> a lot of people thought they were crazy, but you know, the, the results speak for themselves. The result, and, and that's the thing, the, uh, with the results that they're getting now, if if and even even the Tor- biggest Toronto Raptors fan, if they said to me, "Yeah, I thought they were going to do this," you need to shut up. You need to stop lying. There's no way anyone, even Pascal's mom, I, I guarantee Pascal's mom, who would probably be the most supportive person in terms of watching her son play, having an African mom of my own, she would never have thought. She would <laughs> never have thought that. There's no way. There's no it's not happening. But let's just see if they can keep it up. You know, they seem like they're starting to get a bit healthy. They're dealing with injuries, so they already know how to deal with setbacks on top of the fact that Kawhi's not there anymore. So Nobody we'll has lost more man minutes to injuries this season than the Raptors. Everyone has been hurt, and they're still already still at 40 minutes. What's up with my 76ers? Oh, man. You know, like... I, I must, I must admit, man, I must admit this is the type of turmoil you need in the regular season that, that propels you in the playoffs, man. Like, I, I think they're built for the playoffs. I think this regular season runaround is a bit difficult for them because they, they're definitely uh, an e- extrinsic motivational team. Like, they get their motivation. It seems like they get most of their motivation from the outside influences. Well, that's, that's the thing for them is because, you know, the, the narrative has been oh, Ben and Joel can't play together. They need mm. to break up. And mm. it's kind of backfired because that's almost brought them closer together. You see the that's love of the show on social media. They're both out there at the All-Star Weekend. So you kind of need an enemy, even if it's a made-up enemy. The, the siege yeah. mentality is, is that us-against-the-world kind of thing. So a lot of people have been disappointed in the Sixers because of, you know, the expectation that they had going into the season. So you can't control other people's expectation. Yeah, that, but That expectation comes from the talent that they put out on the court every day. Like, you know, that starting lineup, uh, Simmons, uh, Simmons, uh, Harris, Horford, Embiid. Um, what's the dude from Miami? Josh Richardson. Uh, Josh Richardson. Like, bro, if you're playing 2K... Like that's that's the best team. That's the that's one of the best lineups you can put on the court. And even though two K is not necessarily reality most of the time, uh, there's still those high expectations for a team that has that many good players. And um, it's just they. De- I think they definitely made a lot of mistakes building this team. Um, the the amount they tra- the trade deadline. You yeah. you got to give credit because they they lost JJ Redick. You know, you got a guy who's they ran so much, so many plays for JJ uh, last year, spacing the floor. Um, yeah, and we yeah, saw how good. the problem that was earlier in the season without that guy that you can you can run those kind Open of plays up. for. Now they bring in a guy like Alec Burks, who's coming off the bench, who's dynamic, 
Uh, Matisse Thybul is already one of the best defenders in the league. You move Al Horford to the bench. Now, all of a sudden, that second unit's got a little bit of pop to it. So Yeah, gonna- I think, yeah, with, with the Al Horford addition, yeah, you've got to be yeah, It'll take time to, to get these pieces together, but the talent is there. And ultimately, in the NBA, talent wins out. But you still got to you still got to make still it work. put them all together still got to put that talent together and yeah i think you got to you you definitely got to give credit even though the players that they got uh, glenn robinson and alex burks were legit on the scrap heap last season like you could have got them for you know the minimum contract and they no, weren't going anyway the warriors yeah. the the warriors needed I, but in that, I think they probably chose the Warriors because of the fact that they w- were definitely going to get an opportunity on a team that was full of injuries. So that it, it might have been the case that Philly did give them an offer in the offseason, but trading away second-round picks um, for a team like Philly who really doesn't have any roster spots anyway <laughs> is, is good business, is really good business. And we'll see if the the shooting does carry over because Alex Burks is a good shooter uh, historically, but really he's been in and out of the league the last few years, and that's for good reason. And the same for Glenn Robinson. You know, he's never really had a role in the NBA. This is his first season where he's ever been talked about as a contributing player to any sort of winning team. So we'll, uh, it'll definitely be something we'll have to see in the playoffs because, like you said, if... They've got a couple of Reddick players they need to replace, and that's going to open up a whole lot. Do you believe in the Milwaukee Bucks? Oh, man. I like everything. Everything I'm reading at the moment says they're built. They're built for the regular season and the regular season only. Like They take advantage of the fact that teams are coming off back-to-backs, whatever, like three and fours. Two and two and two and fours, whatever. And um, Budenholzer has proven previously that he is a great regular season coach, but when it comes down to the playoffs, there is no plan B. So it's definitely going to be a big, big test. Me personally, I think they are built to at least get to the finals. Wow. Man, I don't know. What about you? What do you think? What, what happens, do you think? What happens when Giannis is getting doubled? Giannis isn't getting mm. those shots to get into the paint. Is Chris Middleton that guy? Is Eric Bledsoe that guy? And they've shown us in the past that they have gone missing in, in, in playoff games. So that's my mm. issue with the Bucs is they're a great team and they've mm. got a great hitter in Giannis. But when it comes down to it in the postseason, when the game slows down, who's going to be the other guy to bail you out? So Chris Middleton's having a 50-40-90 season right now. So he, he has taking his game to another level. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is another all-star selection for him. Uh, but can you get it done in the playoffs? That's that's the big question. And and I haven't seen that yet from either of those two to, to be reliable it, enough, you know, when, when, when they're coming up against a team like, you know, like the, even like the Heat or the Raptors or the Six. I don't know. Was, yeah, I was going to say, if they play against a team like the Heat that are just like... Dogs, <laughs> just built, just built, and like a big machine. Like they, if this doesn't work, they have Plan B, they have Plan C, they have Plan D, they have Plan E. Like it's Spolstra's thought about this a million times over already because they don't have that dominant first option like the Bucks do, which they've used uh, to get to this seventy-win pace. But the stuff that still kind of keeps me questioning my thought is they were five and one without Giannis this year. So that's true. That's true. They might, 
they might they might they might know how to play with each other and you know they you know I think they hear it too like going back to um going back to the sixes I think they definitely hear a lot of the noise and they definitely hear how people are talking about and somebody that I want to give a shout out to is uh, George Hill you know the man keeps reinventing himself after he's turning the clock over <laughs> when did this what? happen He's just doing. He's just, he must be just shooting with Kyle every day because it's just how how does how does this happen? But at the same time, despite all of the doubts around the Bucks, Giannis is a real problem, man. Like this guy wow. is improving every season. Wow! So, wow! wow. Marks just just, the just before just you got just, just before we talk on fancy player. Yeah. Oh man, that's that's what I mean. Before let's 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 save the Giannis conversation for when we get to the awards. But yeah, I you you'll hear my opinion of him a little bit later. But uh, something to just look forward to in terms of uh, a Giannis game, uh, March twenty fifth against the Rockets. So there's been a lot of talking. There's been a lot of conversations coming from uh, uh, Houston side about uh, James Harden uh, MVP case last year. Uh, they were really expecting him to win it. Obviously, he didn't. Uh, Harden's been a bit salty. Harden's been chirping in the media a little bit here and there, saying he should have won it, he deserved it, blah, blah, blah. Um, Giannis came back with a couple of returns during the All-Star weekend, saying he didn't want anyone uh, that one was just going to dribble the ball all the time anyway. And then even came out and said, it doesn't matter. Uh, our plan is to target whoever James James Harden is guarding at all times during the All-Star game. Yeah, they caught the L in the All-Star game. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but that's, what, but that's why I think this March 25th game versus the Rockets is going to be something to look forward to because of that little yeah. rivalry that they've got going. And, you know, it was even a, a bit of a rivalry before James Harden's little downturn in... Um, in shooting recently. So, you know, like the rivalries are starting to come back a little bit. You know, there's 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 not so much friendly talk anymore because things are actually getting really close and things that people are really starting to believe they've got a chance now. So well, the I think that's the biggest thing about this season is everybody thinks they have a chance. Like there's a reality that goes beyond two or three teams like we've seen over the last few years. It was Cavs, Warriors, and maybe someone Cavs, else. Warriors, now, Cavs, Warriors, Cavs, Warriors, Miami versus whoever. You can go five deep in each conference that are going into the playoffs thinking, we're going to win the title. And, and and that's what's made this season so great is that from the Bucks all the way down through the Sixers, Celtics, Raptors, and then you go to the Western Conference, there's like seven, eight teams that think they're going to win the title this season. So it's uh, it's on. What a, what a perfect transition Mr. Professional, Mr. NBA Australia, we will now talk about the West standings. So, as you said, the West is jacked. We have, in my opinion, one, two, three, four, five, six. Well, we, we could say the Maver- I think the Mavericks definitely have high aspirations, but in essence, it's definitely five teams for sure that are championship or bust mentality. Pretty much, or at least the conference finals or bust mentality. So there's definitely going to be one team in the West that's going home in the first round that re- that is expecting to at least make this the conference finals 
and consider it to be a successful season. And I think obviously the team of the moment right now and one of the teams that I definitely wanted to discuss, the Houston Rockets, uh, they're trying to change the game. Uh, one guard at a time, one, <laughs> one guard slash center at a time. Um, <laughs> shortest line, shortest lineup in 50 years. Mr. Kadane, what are your thoughts on the Rockets? If you're going to go for it, go for it. And I thought they were crazy trading Clint Capella and not getting an, at least another body that's, you know, six six ten and above. Um mm. I think what they're doing right now, shout out to Russell Westbrook because he's playing like a maniac at the moment. And that's kind of coincided with Harden, you know, maybe stepping back a little bit. But I thought this was always going to be the case for the Rockets is, you know, Harden's obviously doing his thing at the start of the year. Russell's going to take time to get acclimated. And and this move to just go insanely small is about Russell Westbrook because they have like six other guys that are all kind of the exact same player. The PJ Tucker, the Jeff Green, the Cephalosha, um, all these kind of guys. They're going to switch on defense. They're going to play hard. And Russell Westbrook now has the lane all to himself. Capella's not in there clogging things up. And because you have snipers out on the perimeter, there's space now for Russ. And there's maybe no one better in the league at getting to the rim. He leads the league in drives, points off drives. And he's, he's an unstoppable force when he has the space to do so. And now the Rockets have afforded him that. How that's going to work in the playoffs, though, is another problem. Because if you're really serious about coming coming out of the Western Conference, you're going to have to play AD. You're going to have to play Jokic. You're going to have to play Rudy Gobert. There's big bodies all the way to the Western Conference. So seeing how that adapts is, is going to be interesting. But if you're going to do it and you've got two guys like Westbrook and Harden, they're probably two guys crazy enough to make it work. They're really going to have to be working on defense because of the fact that there's so many big men. And if with a big man rotation of legit Jeff Green, uh, PJ Tucker and Thabo Cephalosha, which is not a big man in sight. It's going to be really difficult, but I got a chance to watch their game against the Lakers and a game against the Jazz, and the way they switch on defense is going to be, is going to be what really decides uh, whether they're going to progress in the Western Conference because they're legit uh, switching on everything, doubling whenever the big man touches the ball and like forcing it out of his hands. Um, and then obviously, uh, at that point when the shot goes up, they're doubling up on the big man, in, uh, with the box out to try and, you know, obviously stop the offensive boards because that's where they are going to be killed. But the good, the, what makes their system, uh, work and obviously gives them a chance to do well in the playoffs is the fact that when they get that rebound, the ball's going to Russ straight away, like no hesitation. And he's head down and he's gone for that hoop. Like, there's no more stupid pull-up three-pointers. There's no more stupid pull-up mid-ranges. He knows the aim of the game is to get to that hoop because if the big man's diving for that offensive board, there's no one in front of him that can stop him. And there's no guard that can stop him. They're like, only, if, you only, put, if you put Kawhi in front of him, it's, it's still going to be difficult when he's going down here with the ball in his hands like that, like, the only issue with that is the playoffs is a different situation. The game slows all the way down. It becomes more of a half-court game. And that's mm. where you know, arguably James Harden is going to become more effective. So yeah. then they're not going to be able to run and gun like that the whole way through the postseason. But you have guys like Covington, Eric Gordon's coming back, Green, Damari Carroll. They've got game-breaker players. They've got players that have a game in them. Yeah, so that's the thing. If you get Russ 
playing that drive and dish game, there's snipers all around uh, mm-hmm. on that three-point line. But whether that's sustainable for the playoffs, we'll we'll find out. But uh, we'll find so far, out. So good. The good, the the thing that I I did note uh, after watching those games is that this system by the Rockets is effectively killing the backup big man, like the uh, whatever team they're going to play against, whether it be the Jazz, uh, whether it be the Lakers, Clippers, uh, um, who was the other, the Nuggets, the backup big man isn't getting on the court for the other team because they can't afford to have that to have that person getting on a switch with Russ or Harden or or even Eric Gordon because Eric Gordon can uh, pull up Makes on the three or he can dribble drive and, and all know how to pass. So they're going to live and die off the three-pointer. It's, it's going to be, if the game slows down, it's going to be uh, Harden dribbling up and pulling up or driving and dishing. And the drive and dish for this Rockets team is going to mean it's going to go to a shooter or, to, or it might just go to Russ without a big man in the center of the court. And if Russ, Russ is all of a sudden figured out how to finish at the rim again, and, you know, and PJ, and I think, and I think PJ in the corner is probably the most underrated offensive superstar in the NBA. Like I saw his stat no, no, the other no, day. Yes. PJ. Yesterday, here against the Warriors, five from five from three-pointer, off all corner threes. Like, he hits him if he's open. And he's going to be open a lot. He's going to be open a lot. I, I believe in the Houston Rockets, but this is also the same same team that, that missed 27 straight threes in the playoffs. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll see. We will see. Uh, just a quick, uh, quick note about that uh, Jazz Rockets game. Uh, the, uh, I don't know if you remember the ending. Um, so after watching the whole game, obviously PJ is playing center. A lot of the talk about the Rockets is centered around PJ because he's he's pretty much the key player for the Rockets now, considering he has to play center for 35 plus minutes a game. Managed to what he thought was the game-winning shot. I know uh, I, I've never been to Houston, but I know Houston is lit. 100% of the time, and I can't imagine what he would have been felting, th- felt thinking he just pulled up, shot the game-winning shot, but then within five seconds later, Bo- uh, Bojan hits that shot in his face, and you could see he was sitting on the ground, his head, he didn't move from the center of the court. He did up, he even, Bojan tried to block him, it looked like even he fouled him, saw it go in, and I felt so bad, man. I was just like, he had the game of his life playing against Gobert, Ding up Gobert the whole game. and But in saying that that sort of performance gives me hope for the Rockets because P.J. Tucker is a, an amazing, amazing defensive player considering his uh, limitations in terms of height especially. So who's, uh, who's your eight for the, uh, for the Western Conference? Is someone dropping out of this race? And... So, like... Oh man, this is a tough one. This is a double-edged sword for me because it's uh, it's a win-win either way. So my eight is gonna be either the Pelicans or the Grizzlies. Um, obviously, the Grizzlies are in that spot now, and the Pelicans have a long uh, way to go in terms of uh, getting to that spot. But uh, the Grizzlies have one of the hardest schedules going forward, and the Pelicans have one of the easiest schedules. Uh, going forward and uh, obviously the Zion factor uh, Zion was the the other player I wanted to profile 
for this chat. Uh, he's somebody that I don't think we've had an opportunity to speak about. Um, but uh, we'll get to him in a sec just after we discuss who we think for the eighth. But I, I think it's going to be the Pelicans. While the Grizzlies uh, have that team built up for the future, I think uh, they will, it, it's just uh, human nature for a young team to kind of falter as the season goes along because of the 82-game grind. Whereas with the Pelicans, they've got a few more veterans and a few more players that are, have been in these sorts of situations. So I think they're going to be the ones to sneak in and then set up uh, an amazing showdown with the Lakers in the first round. And that's Man. that's what I see. <laughs> Man, that that that's the one eight seed, uh, you know, first round series that everybody wants. I'd love to see the Pelicans sneak in. Um, Zion Zion's different, man. I haven't seen anything like this before because Zion's six 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 seven, that quick but that big, and and you know he's already putting up crazy numbers. And the thing that I, I like about Zion is it's all hustle. It's offensive rebounds. It's, it's crashing the glass. It's, it's, getting in, it's ducking in, getting into the, the paint. This guy just works. And, and a lot of his mm. points are coming off lobs. He's just living at the rim. And, you know, outside of that first game where he turned into Steph Curry, hitting all those threes, he's been making his <laughs> yeah, money that's not gonna happen again. in the paint. So um, I like this Pelicans team, but I think the Blazers are going to sneak in. You think so? Even with all the injuries? I know Dame's hurt right now. He's going to miss the next three to four games. But the way he was playing before the All-Star break and just the fact that this isn't how the season was supposed to go for the Blazers. Oh, they're still no two games back uh, from that eight seed. But, you know, if Nurk can come back in some kind of shape, uh, obviously Dame is, is the key guy. If Dame starts to miss more than, you know, this next sort of week or two, they may not have enough time uh, to get there. But I, I ultimately think the Grizzlies are going to fall out of that eight seed. And that's no disrespect mm-hmm. to them. They've been a, a fantastic story uh, this season. Um, but there still seems like the Spurs who, you know, this 22 straight years of, of making the playoffs, I think this yeah, is the year. Yeah, they, they want to keep that going if they can. Yeah, I think I think this is the year that ends for them. I, I, I'd take the Blazers over the Spurs to to sneak in there. So that race for the eight seed is, is going to be hot. But I like the Dallas Mavericks. That, would, that was sitting in the top four at the start of this season. Mm-hmm. They slid down to seven. Yeah, yeah, I've got them at six, but you know they're still, you know they they just got uh, Michael Kidd Gilchrist, who's gonna. I think they they're gonna use him as a small ball center to replace Powell now that he's done with the Achilles, and obviously Persingas is still coming along, uh, working his way back from his injury, and that's always gonna be a that's always always gonna take time, and uh, yeah, you know. The man Luca is. I don't. I don't. At this point, I don't know what to say. Like I, I, I don't. I don't mind being proven wrong, but to be proven wrong to this extent is kind of you know it hurts a little bit. And the fact that you know, <laughs> you're a Luca. I look at it and it's just oh, it's not. It's, and it's not. And it, and that's the thing. Like it's it, it's not coming from a place of hate. It's coming from a place of experience. Because you get all these players that come from Europe that have this major pedigree, and then when they get to the NBA, you just you never see it. It, it just doesn't it doesn't translate. Like you watch these European highlights, and then you watch them in the NBA, and it's just. I, th- it's, I think Luke is a different story, though. He's he's come from a different cloth. This guy was yeah, MVP no, sure. oh, all the way through to the Europa no League, Europa League MVP. No other European player has been doing it like that. At that young, this guy's 18 when he's doing all this. He was he was gonna make 
it's crazy. Honestly, for me, my uh, my nightmare is uh, Mario Hazonia. You know, we drafted number five. He's supposed to be like uber athletic, super polished. NBA, That's what what where 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 is the jr smith at least like do something funny like jr smith like you don't even <laughs> you don't even do anything funny. like what what hey, jr where's the jr smith you don't have fun, season, you know? man. that was maybe the best play of the season <laughs> gender over Giannis. oh man <laughs> stepped over Giannis. like you what are you crazy are you crazy mario like what what are, where are you bro you're playing for the knicks you got drafted by the Magic Five, and you didn't even finish your rookie contract. How are you now stepping over Giannis? Like, how how is that even like? Oh yeah, that's, let that's me step up this guy. Let that's, me that's let me see what let, let me see what's up. Like, oh yeah, Giannis is not going to get a chance to get back on back, uh, get you back because you're not going to be on the court next time they play. You're not going to be in the NBA next time they play. Anybody that has that kind of confidence, that's reckless confidence. I respect it. And that recklessness is why I obviously uh, had that trepidation with Luca. But the man is just, if he, if he, like the thing, the thing is, you look at him now, and it's like you ask yourself, what can he work on? Yes, of course, the defensive side. But a lot of young players can work on the defensive side. So if we want to just look past that, he passes, he rebounds, he leads. He knows when uh, to take over. You know, he he seems like he's a decent person to be around, which is low-key one of the most important things in terms of uh, how the NBA is now. And he's, you know, he just he's just as consistent as consistent can be. You know, like you can't just be averaging these numbers. And for a player that's his age, and I know the whole LeBron comparison it's it's a it's now it's a very valid comparison like you have to they have to compare the two like irrespective of whatever your opinion is on lebron back then or uh, luca now like they're going to be together until until obviously luca proves he's not on that level you you touched on it earlier and i think the decision making uh late in games is probably the thing with luca because we've seen him hit that step back three uh, but at the same time, we've seen him in situations where the game is on the line for the Mavs. You've got to be taking that shot. And he's passing it in the corner to Tim Hardaway Jr. And maybe that's the right play. But if you're that dude, you have to be able to get around oh, a double yeah. team. Man, you take, your, take your Skip Bayless hat off right now, Binyam. Take it off right now. It's all about making the right play. I don't care if it's, you're the man or not. If you've got an open shooter who's 40% plus, in the corner, you pass it to him, and you let your teammates be a part of it. Nah, nah that's my dude, personal opinion. <laughs> well, let's uh, we let, we can agree to disagree on that one, at the very least. But uh, another <laughs> another guy late in the clock, he just threw the ball. He just turned it over. Dog, take that shot. What are you doing? I mean, come, come on, man. Let's see that dog let, 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 You know, he's he's. He's got it though, but you have to, you, you know, like at the oh, same time, if you're, if you're, if the, the conversation was had about LeBron once upon a time, it's, 
I think the narr- the narrative they really created that narrative about LeBron where he always wanted to pass it off when in essence he wasn't always doing it. He was trying to mix it up. And I think that's what also Luke is doing. He's trying to be a nice blend of the two and just try and be the guy that makes the right play. And I think he's working towards that. And I think he'll definitely get to that the way he's progressing now because next year he's going to be better. The year after that, he's probably going to get his body right. He's probably going to get his body right. And once he gets his body right, then I think it's the sky's the limit because I think he will now have the lateral movement to be a better defender. And 20 years old. He's got time. He's got time. What a joke. Everyone's 20. My God. Uh, just to go just to go back to the Grizzlies, um, I just wanted to make another point in regards to my first ever podcast where I said the Grizzlies were the team of the future. Uh, we've got Ja, who was born in 1999. Uh, Darren Jackson Jr., also born in 1999. Uh, Josh Jackson, shout out to Josh Jackson, unwanted by the Suns, uh, sent to the G League to die. Came out of nowhere, contributing, 97. Uh, DeAnthony Melton, 96. Uh, Clark, Jones, and Winslow. Winslow, low-key, one of the best trade pieces that uh, were cha- what, switched teams. And all of them are 96. So um, the future is bright with the NBA, man, with the Mavs, the Grizzlies, uh, the Pelicans. Yeah, don't, don't and that's either. Hey? He's been bored. Don't sleep on the homie Dylan Brooks either. Shout oh, sorry, He's man, and Brooks too. Killed. Pardon me, and Brooks too. Brooks is 96 as well. Oh, no, 95. Born in 95. That's what I mean. Like, the we're just touching on the youth of the Western Conference, and, like, imagine the top is already stacked, but you got all these young guns coming up, and they're going to be pushing, 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 making it even harder, and we're going to see one of these big teams have to drop out eventually. Like, it's not, uh, it's not going to be like this forever. NBA is in good hands. In in great hands. But let's talk about the gatekeeper of the NBA as we speak about the top of the West, the Los Angeles Lakers, the LeBron Angeli, Angeles Lakers, if you will. You're, you're the king until you went the king. Top, no I still think LeBron's, LeBron's You still think it's LeBron's? I mean, yeah, Kawhi, nah. Kawhi still is that dude. He's the defending champ. He's the defending finals MVP. Um, but at the same time, you know, LeBron has changed his game a little bit. He's got to become a full-time point guard. But my big thing with the Lakers is who's stopping Anthony Davis anyway? You mean when, again, in terms the of whoever they play? Yeah, I can't see anybody stopping Anthony Davis. Who's the match for AD? I think the person that stops Anthony Davis is Anthony Davis. Probably, probably, because he's he's LeBron has never played with a guy's talent, the best player LeBron's ever played with. And Greg D Wade, no disrespect to Kyrie, this is the best player LeBron has ever played with. So that's what I'm looking forward to in the playoffs is not necessarily watching LeBron be LeBron. It's, he can just dump it down to A D get 10, 11, 12 assists a game, and you, you, you can't not double either of these guys. You can't mm. just let these guys take you one on one. So the fact that he has a guy that is a big as well, and yeah. he's the kind of big that Anthony Davis is, he can do everything. 
Um, I know the Clippers have a great team. The Clippers are as stacked as any team in the in the league. But they got a Morris brother. The Lakers got a Morris brother. They got Marquis Lakers Morris. got their got Morris brother today. Yeah, yeah, they did. Yeah, so whatever you do, I do. So ultimately, these are the two top teams uh, in the Western Conference when it comes to you know who's coming out. But yeah, I I, I still give the edge to the Lakers because the Clippers haven't shown me enough. They've been injured. They've been hurt. They haven't really got that chemistry. And guys have been struggling with the change. You know, Paul George hasn't really been himself this year. Even guys like Lou Will and Trez, you know, haven't quite found their footing uh, in the new look kind of roster. But at the same time, there's still time. They're coming to figure this out in the first round uh, of the postseason. So yeah. that, uh, that, that matchup between the two LA teams uh, is going to be live. But uh, I'm, still, I'm still rocking with the Lakers. Yeah, yeah. Even I though think, they lost uh, with the Lakers especially... <laughs> Uh, what I've started to notice is that uh, LeBron's definitely kind of transitioning into, I like to call, Karl Malone mode. So he's already got that Karl Malone body, but he's really uh, working in the post a lot more, I find. Especially because he's playing point guard, he's always finding himself <clears throat> in that ad- advantageous position where he's got somebody smaller on him. And like you were saying, they're doubling every single time. So uh, the Lakers have kind of built this four-out system for LeBron because AD himself is, an, is you know, a very effective shooter. And not only effective, uh, he can dribble, uh, dribble uh, past the closeout, he can post up on that mismatch, and then he needs to be doubled. So that's going to be a big thing, uh, whoever has to play them. But uh, as you, even though you were saying, like, with AD... St- um, who's going to stop AD. There has been a lot of... The Lakers' big issue this season has been when LeBron isn't playing well. So uh, if LeBron isn't having his his typical LeBron game, what sort of contributions are you going to get from AD? Is AD going to be able to pick up the slack? And, you know, whether it be taking off the... Uh, taking over the the game and just being like, oh... I'll lead, I'll post up, I'll beat my man, I'll pass off, or I'll get to the free throw line. Um, someone was saying that uh, AD's free throw in the All-Star game was the biggest free throws he's ever taken in his, in his career. Which yeah, that's because he can't even play any meaningful games. Yeah, but, uh, yeah you know, joke aside, but that's like facts. Like, what's it going to be like when AD gets into a conference final game where... Like, let's just say this Lakers, Clippers, they're down 3-2, you know, fourth quarter. LeBron's having a bad game. Is AD going to come step up and be like, yeah, this is, you know, I'm the best player on this court. Is that his personality? I think the confidence he's gotten from playing next to LeBron and the confidence they give each other, because if you're already at that level and you have mm-hmm. another guy at that same level with you, and knowing that it's not all on you, push you up one always level, one more all on AD. When he was on the Pelicans, if he didn't have a going, nobody had a going. So it all kind of came down to him, whereas he now knows he's got that space because you can't just leave LeBron open. You can't just leave LeBron. The AD is going to go to work. And I think that's yeah. why I put them just over the Clippers is because of the matchup because the Clippers are probably a better team on paper. You know, they're, they're oh, depth. Oh, there's right. no doubt about that. There's no doubt about they're, that. Jackson and Morris, I mean, they're good pickups. I don't necessarily know if they were the pieces they needed, but they're talented players. But they still haven't addressed that gaping issue. Is, is, is Zubak stopping AD? Montrez isn't stopping AD. Montrez that's what, isn't that's stopping right. AD. 
that's that's where I worry about the Clippers is you know because the playoffs is about matchups. How do you match up with this team for seven games? Mm. And I don't know if the Clippers have right. that to stop AD for seven games. For seven games, because yeah, he'll be playing forty five minutes for sure when it comes time to conference finals. Um, but yeah, good, let's uh, touching on the Clippers. I have I have them finishing fourth in the in the West. Uh, when the season does end, but that's not necessarily an indication of their capability. I think, like, as you were saying, they've had a lot of injuries. They haven't been able to get the team sorted the way that they would have hoped. Uh, and that's obviously going to affect their final uh, season standings. But in terms of a squad in general, completely agree with what you're saying. They're super stacked. Like, their role players off the bench, like Magruder, like... He's playing, he's playing crunch time minutes because he's an amazing defender and he can also shoot threes. Shamit is exactly the same, who they robbed from Philly. Would be the perfect player for Philly right now. Don't remind me. <laughs> he defends. He, he, he shoots. He's got a good IQ. And then you're going to add to that, you got uh, Reggie Jackson now, who's going to be there in case of a break, uh, break glass, in case of emergency player. Like, he's friends with Paul George. The Clippers pretty much just didn't want him to sign for the Lakers, so they signed him to be their 14th man or 15th man. Like he might not even get a game; it might just be dependent on whether Paul George comes back or not. You got Beverly, you got Lou Will, you got Reggie Jackson, you got PG, you got Kawhi. That's a lot of people that need the ball in their hands. That's what I mean. But I think if they recognize if they recognize their position within the team, which I think Reggie Jackson That's will be humbled for being waived once from once being a guy that was uh, complaining about his role in OKC and saying he didn't want to be a backup, to now choosing a team that you know Kawhi is going to be the pseudo point guy anyway, or Paul George, or Lou, and it'll be in that sort of order. So he already knows in terms of ball handling. He's got at least three people in front of him. And then, like you said, uh, Pat Bev is going to be playing more than him. So Reggie's just, I think Reggie's just going to chill back and just be like, when you need me, you know, this 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 guy, you know, people talked about him as a potential all-star once upon a time. He never quite reached that because of injuries. But, you know, he's still a big, big contributing player. And uh, Marcus Morris, uh, uh, you know, I, I completely disagree. I think he's the perfect sort of pickup because... He now allows them to play a small ball team that's better than the Rockets because now they can play Lou. They can play Lou, George, Kawhi, Morris, and Harrell. And, like, legit, like, apart from any team with AD at center, I don't don't know who can really match up with that team. And the spacing as well. Morris has become a very, very reliable three-point shooter. He's almost been playing small forward mostly. That's what uh, I mean. Small forward. Now you, and he's a dog. Like, his attitude, his, his personality fits. is, like, completely opposite on. to majority of the guys that they've got already. Like, Harold's, like, super intense, but he doesn't have that I'm going to fight you every second sort of attitude. You don't think so? I think now, he does. Morris, him Pat Bev. <laughs> oh, well, Pat Bev. Well, so, pardon me. I forgot about Pat Bev. Pat Bev is ready to fight, but then like, but I think even Morris is a step up in terms of that attitude, and that I and I think that's going to be a good thing to bring in to a team that has Kawhi because Kawhi sort of centers everyone in a way that they can kind of uh, keep within their goal and they're not kind of stray away and think about stats or think about you know personal vendettas. 
But um, yeah, like if they get the, if that's their finishing five, like you know, AD aside, like who's AD gonna guard at that point on the other end if they get AD switched up or put AD in the corner so he's out of the way? Like the Lakers are gonna be struggling. AD can guard anybody one through five. Stop. Come on. No, but I but I mean in terms of if they chuck AD in the corner, if they say if AD gets switched up, put Kawhi in the corner, like that means it's literally. You've got Lou, Paul George, Harrell, and Marcus Morris against the rest of the four. Like, you know, Lakers are really, and and I I really hope it does happen because that is like a Lakers, Clippers, any time in the playoffs. Whether, for me, it's got to happen in the second round, but if it happens in the conference finals, it's it's going to be the best sort of chess match. And, oh, it's... You think you think mm, either the Los Angeles is going to be the epicenter of the planet? Hey, no. You think the Nuggets or the Jazz can do anything in the Western Conference? So the, the Jazz, I'm like, I'm like, I'm, you know, hey, your your boys on the Jazz are they're coming up, man. Like, I think, I think Conley's going to start making a better, uh, have a better role going into the uh, final third of the season. Their, their lineup, their lineups are getting a bit more uh, formulated, where they're trying to mix in a bit of uh, Conley, uh, Mitchell, and Ingles in in rotation, having two ball handlers at the same time, rather than trying to fit all three in. Which I think that's what was causing the issue at the start of the season. Um, but then also like Gobert still a beast and. You know, Royce Young is a defense uh, is their defensive guy for the perimeter. So it's just a matter of fitting those pieces around that. And when you've got Bo- uh, is it Bogdan? Is yeah. it Bogdan uh, or Bojan? Yeah, <laughs> Bogdanovic, Bogdanovic, who's you know who's a who's a scorer. You've got Mitchell, who's a scorer. You now you've got Clarkson coming off the bench, who's doing his best. Lou Will oh, impersonation can we talk about for a second because he is. He's been one of the most underrated, unspoken about mid-season acquisitions. This guy's already had like five or six 20-point games. He, he's as confident. He actually looks just... unstoppable. He actually looks unstoppable sometimes. It's like they yeah. lead, the, the games that I've watched is like Mitchell will get the inbound and then just pass it to Clarkson and they clear out for Clarkson. And Clarkson looks unbelievable on the ball. Unbelievable. He's the, he's the kind of guy that can win you a playoff game. Like he can get... You know, the same way that J.R. Smith would just get hot and win you a playoff mm-hmm. game. Clarkson has that and same a, kind of... And, and, and a defensive team like the Jazz, the, what they need is to be kept in the game while their scorers are off. So when Mitchell's not having a having a good game, which that happens uh, some of the time, uh, Bogdanovich as well, Conley on the regular... Ingles, you know, he's even though he's quite consistent, like in terms of his scoring contribution, it does go up and down. But to have a guy where you can just say, chuck him in, he's going to give us 15 points, like without even thinking about it. He might even give you, you don't know. But then you you get to the fourth quarter and it's a close game. The Jazz are going to be the top, one of the tougher teams to beat because they can D you up from at that point. And then if, you know, if you're struggling to score, Mitchell is... Mitchell is, but I don't know if he's baby Wade, but he's he's going to be this fourth quarter guy. He's going to be the guy that maybe doesn't, never averages 30 points in his career, 
but he's going to be averaging 20-something, but he's going to be the fourth quarter. He, he's going to be the guy that everyone talks about. When you get to the fourth quarter, he's the man that you want on the ball. He's the man that you want, you know, uh, making the plays for you. And, you know, te- every day teams are searching for that guy. And, you know, the Jazz found him. And more power to them, to be honest. And to your point, I've got to give Mitchell a lot of credit because he has become one of the best crunch time scorers in the league. It's, it's Chris Paul. It's, you know, it, it's, it's Donovan Mitchell. There's not that many guys out there. I think he's in the top four for clutch scoring uh, mm. in the league. Mm. You have a guy that can, can close out games like that. I mean, he's, he's, he's definitely improved a lot this season. And, and yeah. in terms of and bucket getters on the Jazz, it's Bogdanovich, it's Mitchell, and it's Clarkson. Those are the guys Clarkson. that you can just, all right, give me a bucket. Just Bogdanovich, here you go, do your business. But, but Mitchell yeah. and Clarkson, they, they, they're just, their game is straight buckets. And then that's in like, you can uh, personally, uh, for me as a Magic fan, that's like the difference between a uh, contender and a run-of-the-mill team. So I would say our defense is uh, a good comparison with the Jazz because we slow the game down. We D up at all times, you know, no easy buckets. But then we can't score on the other side. So Jazz, <laughs> the Jazz's issue was they, can't, they couldn't score on the other side. But then they got this dynamite scorer who can pretty much beat anyone off the dribble, attacks the rim, you know, whenever he wants. He can finish at the rim too. And look at the difference it makes. All of a sudden, then now this team that is just as easily, if they get a good break, if they get a good run, they'll be in the conference finals themselves. So that's what makes it tough with the, the Western mm-hmm. Conference. We, we all mm-hmm. say Lakers, Clippers, Lakers, Clippers, but... There's teams out there like the Jazz, like the Rockets. Yeah. But then, Nuggets. like you were saying, the Nuggets too. The Nuggets, the Nuggets. Um, uh, uh, if it's not gonna be, if it's not gonna be an LA team, I'm saying it's gonna be the Nuggets that re- represent the West. Really? See, I, I yeah. still don't trust the Denver Nuggets. I think they're uh, still a piece away. They have that piece though. It's Michael Porter Jr. Boom. I think be in Bingo. the next couple of seasons uh, because. They, they, they play that two-man game with Murray and Jokic. And, and yes, they're unbelievable in the regular season. But we've seen it already. Sometimes they go into little funks. Jokic, you know, he, to his credit, he's, you know, he's, he's, he's shed some weight this season. He's looking a lot, uh, a lot fitter for this kind of stretch run. But I still think there's that third option that they need. Uh, and that'll come with Michael Porter Jr. So it may yeah, not be... And now that's what I mean. And I think, and I think when the, the opportunity uh, shows itself in the playoffs, I think Mike Malone is a smart enough coach to realize that uh, their, their version of Donovan Mitchell is Michael Porter Jr. Yeah, he's, he's not. I've him rookie of the year this season. <laughs> when... Um, when it comes time to the, you know, the, the crunch time where, you know, you have to make a play. Jokic can make a play. He's proven that. But he's also proven that he kind of shies away from it on the occasion, depending on the matchup, depending on the type of defense that's being played against him. And, like, I'm, I'm not sure about Murray right now. He's definitely, he's definitely an all-star sort of caliber player. But I don't think he is that type of finisher, that fourth quarter uh, assassin that you need to have to prepare yourself to the NBA Finals. But I'm hoping Porter Jr. gets that chance because this kid is, man, like when you just, what, what, just if, 
if anyone listening at home, just watch any of his highlights and watch his jump shot and watch how high he jumps and watch how high he releases that ball. And it's like, and it's always a swish. It's yeah, like, he's, he's 6'10", too. Dribbles. That size. And he, the thing finishes, I like about is he crashes the glass. He works in the crashes paint. Crashes the glass. Offensive bucket. boards. Just out of hustle. So I think they're still a while away, the Nuggets. But they're getting there. They're gonna they're gonna be there soon. Uh so one the only other team really that we haven't touched on, and it's probably the more unbelievable season so far, the Thunder. What do you think about this team? Low-key, they're my uh possible upset team in the first round, depending on which matchup they get. I think they're gonna hurt a lot of feelings. Uh, going towards the end of this season, but I think they're going. They're, there's going to be they're going to be in a six or seven round series, irrespective of who they play. In the Man, shout out to Chris Paul. Chris Paul is hooping this season. A lot of people thought he might have been done uh, after last season with the Rockets, and he's he you know, he struggled with injuries. You see his alley oop in the All Star game. He he went vegan, and now he's now he's Russell Westbrook. It's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I, th- I think that was his first ever alley-oop in an NBA game. Ever. I've never seen it. I've been watching quarter. him play for a long time. I've uh, seen know it. What, and it was I, a nice like, alley-oop. Hey, he, he got up. It wasn't, it wasn't a struggle alley-oop. But uh, I, I like the, the three-guard lineup, the uh, the Thunder run out there with uh, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, who's special. Uh, Dennis mm. Schroeder, who's been uh, fantastic for them this season. And you've got guys like Gallinari, who's, who's a proven performer. He's a reliable guy. Uh, and Stephen Adams holding it down in the middle. This team has nice balance. They play at a nice pace. I think they will take a few games off whoever they play uh, in the first-round series. And depending, as you said, on the matchup, it, it wouldn't be crazy for them to upset someone. If, it's a, if, it's three, if, if they get the Nuggets in a 3-6 seed game, forget it. I'm, I'm wrong. Like yeah. yeah. yeah and, and that's what I mean. Because their, their lineup is actually – with their three-guard lineup – like uh, for this current NBA, that's the perfect sort of thing to do when you've got uh, Chris Paul and Shy, both top defenders. Schroeder's just Schroeder's going to give it a go, irrespective. He's super long, and then you've got uh, Gallinari who tries, uh, with, regardless of your opinion of him, and Stephen Adams, who's a fantastic defender. And they'll switch up, and they've got athletes on the bench, or you know, uh, Noel. Uh, Ferguson, Diallo. So, you know, if, they, if they're hitting their shots, if they're hitting their threes, you know, look out look out for this Thunder team. Like, you know, they, they're going to be somebody that, like you said, at least I think they're going to take the two games. If they, if they get the Rockets, I think they might beat the Rockets. I think if they get the Jazz, they might beat the Jazz. Um, but, yeah, they're just playing with house money. They're just throwing it up. Whatever happens... They got all those draft picks. You know, I said I said Donovan Mitchell is you know top four in in clutch scoring. Chris Paul is number one. In number clutch one, scoring. yeah, correct. By a correct. long way. Yeah. So if they can stay close in games, you got a guy like Chris Paul that knows how to shut it down. That could be a problem. Man, it's uh, it's going to be it's going to be one of the most amazing playoffs in in my in my NBA a- viewing history. In, like I don't, I don't remember being this excited for a first round. <laughs> well, that, that, that's the thing. There's teams, you know, they're in the lower seeds that could could upset the apple cart. 
Yeah, and it's uh, and it's not even it's maybe not so much the upset. It's the the standard of basketball that we expect to see. It's not going to be twenty point, thirty point wins where teams are blowing each other out. It's they're going to be going to the fourth quarter. They're going to be going to the last five minutes of the fourth quarter, and it's going to really show the difference between coaching, uh, between the teams, and uh, definitely those clutch performers. You know, there's a there's a lot of quality players in the NBA right now, and they're getting the opportunities to really show themselves and differentiate themselves. Because you can I, really I, see at the to- you can really see at the top is like Giannis, LeBron, Kawhi, AD. But then there's a lot of these guys coming up. You know, like Jokic, Doncic, um, you know, Ja. Ja, if he gets the eighth seed, he's going to really want to show himself. Um, Mitchell's really want to propel himself up into that sort of conversation as well. Russ and uh, Harden still want to be a part of that conversation. Like just just the Thunder quickly, their comeback ability is ridiculous this season. They're they're overturning third quarter, fourth quarter deficits more than any other team. I think they've had like twelve or thirteen comeback mm. wins this season, which is by far and away uh, you know the most out of any team this season. So they can. They've proven that they can rally, so I'm I'm interested mm. to see how that. And uh, yeah, and that's the, definitely a reflection of their coaching now. I I think like losing losing Russ and swapping Russ for Chris Paul is a is sort of allowing Donovan uh, to to coach the team a little bit more, and obviously having Chris Paul to run the team. And those sort the teams that make those sorts of comebacks are t- generally teams that are well coached because. At that point, when you're losing like that, it's all about making sure you're running your system, making sure you're flawless, off- playing flawless offense, playing playing flawless defense. And, and you're able to do it, man. When you've got three point guards at the same time, you're able to do it. That's, that's all Chris Paul for me. I'm not going to give Donovan that much credit. That's all. Chris oh, I'm going to give it to him, man. I know he's a good coach. I've seen, I, I've seen him a couple of times. Obviously, he had his uh, ups and downs first couple of seasons. But yeah... I, but I'm not going to argue too much. It's definitely a Chris Paul thing <laughs> as well. But uh, so let's just uh, let's move on. Let's get into the awards. Um, obviously, the typical NBA awards, uh, MVP, Rookie of the Year, Most Improved, Defensive Player of the Year, Sixth Man, and Coach of the Year. Let's start with MVP. Uh, I'm going to go out on a limb and think that we're going to have the same answer for this one. Uh, I went with Giannis. 30 points, 13 and a half rebounds, pretty much six assists, a steal and a block per game, 55% from the field, 31% from three, uh, 30, and all in only 30 minutes per game. What are your thoughts, Mr. Binyam Kadani? Look, I, I, I thought, as I said, I thought James Harden was MVP last season. Giannis won it. Giannis is definitely the MVP this season. The team is on pace for 70 wins. He plays both sides of the floor. And whilst it's the argument of can your team win without you, we've seen that the Bucks have been okay without Giannis. But this guy, it's it, it, I, I, I think... There's a gap between anyone else and Giannis right now. The, the the guy who I would say could probably make an argument for is probably LeBron. Mm-hmm. They're, the number one, they're the number one team out there in the West, and LeBron's still putting up 25, 10, 7. 
uh, and is impacting the winning. But I think when you look at the numbers that Giannis is, is putting up and the fact that he's also a defensive player of the year candidate uh, as well, I think it's a wrap. I think he's going to go back to back. So he's only playing 30 minutes. So um, I just looked up his per 36 stats, so per 36 minutes, which is a reasonable amount of time to expect an NBA player to play. His stats are 35 points, 15.7 rebounds, and seven assists per game. So <laughs> if if for whatever reason the Milwaukee Bucks had to play in more uh, more of the game because the reason why Giannis is only getting 30 minutes a game is because they're blowing teams up. If he had to play and if he had those stats, we wouldn't even be, there wouldn't even be a conversation. We wouldn't even have to talk about MVP. Yeah. And um, with Steph Curry a couple of years ago is that his numbers. Yeah. Were just, it's going to, you, you, you're going to, you'll be talking about unanimous at that point And <laughs> one of the more, more unanimous MVPs in the history of any sport. He's the leader in win shares per 38. And like you said, he's also the leader in defensive ratings. Um, and then he is got the NBA record for player efficiency for this season. So I don't know what else you need to do to, to win MVP. Yeah, that's not really. But I want I want to I want to give I want to give where credit where credit's due. Like you said, LeBron having an amazing season. Luka Doncic also having an amazing season. Uh, Jokic really, really stepping up something, something crazy this year. Um, but the man that, you know, I want to pour, pour a 40 out for the dog, Damian Lillard, putting his heart and soul for the Portland Trailblazers, playing the best kind of basketball that I've seen in the longest time. And he's doing it quietly. He's doing it. He's doing it in that old school sort of way where it's just like, this is my team. This is my city. You're never going to hear me say anything bad. You're never going to hear me uh, dog out a coach, dog out a player. It's all on him. He's the one. And he, he was putting it on. And Man, I'm, that stretch I'm, he had before it's, the All-Star It's sad break. that he's injured, but, you know. That stretch before the All-Star break was some of the hottest of hots I've seen someone play with. Like, you can't play with that kind of... A efficiency, B volume, and then wins. Look at that winning Win. game. That's, that, that's, the, that's, the, that's what Harden dreams about. <laughs> that's what that Harden dreams about. Like, that's, that's how Harden should play. Like Lillard doesn't dribble the ball for 15 seconds. Lillard does what he needs to do, tries to run the offense. If the offense doesn't work, boom. Let me deal with it. And Portland isn't the, the type of team that can survive without him doing that. So he had to do that. And he was doing it. And, you know, he was bringing that hope. And imagine, like, ah. Uh, yeah, the, the, the thing is you can't, you can't this, be MVP if you're the eighth seed. You got, you, I'll, I'll an exception for Russell Westbrook when he when he was uh, MVP, triple doubling the season, and, uh, and that was the sixth seed. That's an aberration. But when I look at the guys at the top of the standings, it's Giannis at one. LeBron's at one in the West, but uh, I think the issue with LeBron is you know him and AD kind of take a little shine off each other. Kind of take a little bit off each other, yeah, for sure. It's all him for sure. No questions, no questions asked. Uh, But just uh, my last little point about uh, Lillard. Uh, uh, Lillard for me, he's reminding me a lot of uh, Kevin Garnett, and not in terms of 
play or anything like that. But in terms of the situation that he's in, I think he would get a lot more respect if he was playing for another team. I think he deserves the type of respect that Curry gets, that Harden gets, um, that Luca is getting now. Um, and it's a, and it's a, it's disappointing that because he's not the type of person to speak up and become that kind of player that is above his team. Like you've never, you've never, you've never felt like he he puts himself above the team where some others do. So I think if he if he if he stays in Portland, like good for him, man. Get paid, get your money. But it'd be really nice to see him on another team. It'd be nice to see him on another team for sure. You want Dame to leave Portland? Hey, you want Dame to leave Portland? Uh, I think, bro. I I for me personally, if if you swap if you swap Steph Curry and Dame Lillard, I think the Warriors are still just as good. That's no, that's how much I rate Dame Lillard. Damien Damien Lillard's the best point guard in the NBA. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. The best point guard in the NBA shouldn't be on a team that's tenth in the West. I mean, they they had a lot of injuries, man. They they have struggled this year. Um, Mm. So I'm not going to put that on Dame. But uh, oh no, by no means I'm not. I'm not putting it on Dame. No way. I want to see them sneak into the eighth seed and uh, and see if they can cause some chaos. But yeah, we'll see. We'll see. So. Uh, next up, rookie of the year. I'll let I'll leave you the floor to you, sir. Who is your rookie of the year? This is a no-brainer. It's Ja. Ja's done a lot in in, in forty-eight games. He's given us highlight after highlight. But at the same time, Zion Zion could sneakily make his way in. I, I thought he was going to have missed too much time. He's only played ten games. There's not that much left of the season. But you look at the numbers Zion's putting up. You, the fact that they're Looking to make a run into the into the postseason. Say say Zion plays, you know, thirty odd games. Is that enough to win Rookie of the Year? Probably not. I don't think so. Averaging twenty five, seven, and four, that could be a real argument. I think it's just the games played is going to count against Zion. I think mm. if he if he maybe came back twenty games earlier, you could make that argument. But the body of work from Ja Morant is uh, is a, is enough for me to put him over the line right now. So Jar's uh, body of work at the moment is 17 and a half points, three and a half rebounds with seven assists and a steal. He's uh, shooting 78% from the free throw line, 36% from the three-pointer, which was his That's good. Uh, designated weakness before the start of the season. Um, and more importantly, leading his uh, youthful Grizzlies to the eighth seed and a 28 and 26 record which in itself is unbelievable because people were saying Memphis was going to be the worst team in the NBA. I was even like, irrespective of all the positive uh, comments I had about the Grizzlies, I was definitely not expecting this sort of thing. But the I thing that, that I like the most about, the thing I like the most about Jar is just not only the way he plays, but he has this swagger about him in terms of, and it, like the way he just carries himself he is just this super cool, super confident point god, like he calls himself. He's cr- trash talking everyone. The move where he put James Harden back and says, "Come on," shoots it in his face. You must not have heard about me. To the guy who, you know, won MVP a couple seasons ago, and should maybe have three MVPs. Telling it, telling him, you might not have heard about me. Like that's the type of confidence that you want from your point guard. But it's even better that that point guard also can smack his head on the rim at any second, at any point. 
and you can you can see it amongst the other Grizzlies because Jar sets he sets the tone for them from a confidence standpoint. Because when you have the guy that's you know that's driving the offense, that's playing like that, you have to level up and play like that too. For sure, pick it up. And they got rid of their and they got rid of their veterans too. They got rid of Solomon Hill. They got rid of Jay Crowder. So there's legit. There's no veterans on that team. You could say Valentusis or maybe Dieng. But even still, like they're not they're not impact players in the sense that the the players are going to bounce off them and go where they go. Whereas Jar is the is already their best player, is and already their leader. So they're gonna go as far as he takes them. And I think yeah, definitely the sky's the limit for them. But going back to Zion, it's definitely not gonna be enough games for the regular rookie to win Rookie of the Year, but if they somehow get that eighth seed, what are you going to say? What are you going to say to somebody that came into the NBA, passed halfway, team was struggling, and now they're in the eighth seed, and he finishes with 22, seven and a half, three, you know, per 36 is 29, 10, three, and one and one. Like, What? Look, we, we had this argument a couple of years ago with Malcolm Brogdon and Joel Embiid. Embiid came in and played 30 games, was dominant in those 30 games, you know, averaging over 20 points, and was clearly, clearly a better player. But Brogdon, you know, he only averaged like 10 points a game. He was mm. playing every game, though. He played like 75 that year. And mm. that had a good... And let's be honest, that was one of the worst rookie of the year races uh, of what? all time. But again, Embiid was better, but he just hadn't played enough games to to take that award. And I think that's that's probably going to be the case here. Uh, and and that's fair enough because Ja has been incredible this season. Small sample size, only ten games, definitely uh, gone overboard on the stats. But it is something to think about in terms of the impact Zion has made since coming back and. You have to expect he's going to make that same impact going forward. So it is definitely going to be a fun rookie of the year uh, watch going forward. But moving on to most improved, I have got either Bam or Brandon Ingram at most improved. But what about you? They're the two that I had as well. I wanted to show some love to Devontae Graham and Charlotte, who of kind course. of came out of nowhere. Um, but when you, when you look at uh, Ingram and, and Adebayo, Two first-time All-Stars, two guys that have become focal points on their team, um, especially for Brandon Ingram, considering you know the tribulations of those first couple of seasons on the Lakers. Whereas Zion's injury was kind of a blessing in disguise for for Ingram because he for automatically yeah, yeah. a number one guy, and and he stepped up to the plate. Um, yeah, I and he's flourishing. Yeah, I mean that guy, that guy's a bucket. Um, so I wouldn't be mad at either of those two guys winning uh, winning most improved player of the year because they've. As I said, you, you you come out and you make the all star team and you you elevate everybody around you. Mm. And I'm like split. I don't I don't know who, who should be. It's, it's it's one of the two. Uh talking about elevating the people around you, uh big shout out to Bam. You know, he's really stepped up in his in his role at the same time where he sat and wait he sat and waited for his chance. He sat and waited for his chance, whereas whereas Brandon was given an opportunity in a new environment. Bam sat tight, uh, took on all the heat instructions, and now, you know, starting center, he's playing. Low-key, he said in an interview, he uh, patterns his game after KG. And, like, there's times, man, where 
he's running the offense and they're playing off him. This and man's getting triple doubles at the five. That's that what I mean. For a guy, for a guy, for a guy like him to be playing the way he is, you know, grabbing the rebound and dri- and uh, initiating the offense, and you've got Dragic on the court, you've got Butler on the court, and they're leaving you like that says a lot. Like that says a lot, especially with that's, a coach like he, Spolstra. That's like that's saying a lot. That's why he's the skills challenge champ, man. He's got it. Yeah, man. That's my dog, man. That's it, man. Took it seriously. The only, well, I felt like he was one of the only ones that took it seriously. So he got that, he got that W. And for me personally, I think how Bam plays in the playoffs will define uh, Miami's season because you know what you're going to get from Jimmy. He's going to give you good defense and he's going to give you that scoring at the end of close games. Uh, all their other players, like I really like Duncan Robinson. I really like uh, Derek Jones Jr. I really like uh, Dragic now that he's back. Kendrick Nunn is really good. But all of these guys contribute in a particular way and you can kind of be sure what you're going to get from them. Whereas with with Bam, sky's the limit. And if he can if he can step his game up again when he goes into the playoffs, like I, I can't imagine the Heat uh, not being in the conference finals and possibly, you know, having that matchup with the Bucks. There's a real chance by next season Bam can be their best player. Oh, I, well, personally, I already think he is. And, you That's know, and even Jimmy's admitted Jimmy it. But, yeah, on paper, yeah, on paper, it will be next year for yeah. sure. And that progress, the, you know, that slow progress he's taking, I think uh, Pat Riley's probably going to sign him to a cheaper contract this offseason when they talk extensions. And so they keep, they will keep him for a lot longer, for a lot cheaper, get that Miami discount, and then, you know, build the team and aim for Giannis, Giannis next year in free agency. Like, who knows? <laughs> you think Giannis is going to leave the box? If they don't win this year, you know, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be hard to talk to him. You know, he's, he's, he's a realistic guy. He's came out and said, you know, he's going to stay as long as we're winning. I, I think he's going to be a Toronto Raptor next summer. Whoa. That Nigerian connection? Ujiri, Ibaka, Ananobi, Siakam. We've got the United Nations of Africa in Toronto. I think he's up United there. United Nations of Africa in Toronto. My African Union up there. That would be unbelievable. That would be unbelievable. Defensive player of the year. Uh, you mentioned earlier. I think I'm going to go with Giannis. I want to, I want to see history this year. And I think he deserves... Both awards. He's uh, third in defensive rebounds, first in defensive rating, first in defensive win share, and also first in defensive uh, defensive plus minus. And the Bucks are first in defense as well, and he's definitely the big reason for that. And you know they've they've won on their defense, and they've nonstop been at the top nonstop this whole year. So I think it's 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 time for him to join the. Uh, the upper echelon of superstars with Hakeem and Michael as the ones that have done both. That's crazy. That's crazy because he's there. He's there. The only other guys that I would consider for defensive player of the year, I mean, Anthony Davis, I think, has been really good for the Lakers. Marcus Smart, <laughs> even though he's a guard. Has, Marcus, you know, Marcus mm. Smart is a dog. He's been great for the Celtics. And Rudy Gobert, he's a two-time defensive player of the year. The Jazz still have a top-ten defense. But the gap between Giannis and those guys, I think – 
at this point is is still pretty big. It's so just, that's yeah, it's just too far. That's exactly right. It's just too far. And as long as people don't overthink it in that respect and don't just go for the regular pick as uh, and go for Gobert again and don't go for the sparkly pick in Anthony Davis. If they really like sit down and crunch the numbers, it has to be Giannis. Like, yeah, I think that's a no-brainer. That's a no-brainer. That was an easy one, and then uh, one that I had a bit of trouble with. You know, uh, sixth man. Uh, who did you pick for sixth man? I'm I'm rocking with Dennis Schroeder. This guy's giving you 20 points off the bench every night. He's a dynamic, dynamic uh, playmaker for the Thunder. I like, you know, Lou Will and Trez, obviously, that dominant bench duo, but I think they're kind of taken away uh, a little bit from each other, and they haven't really been at that same level uh, that they were at last year when, uh, you know, when they were clearly the top two guys. So I've got to give it to Dennis Schroeder. He's been really impressive this year for the uh, for the Thunder. Who you got? Yeah, it's, uh, it's going to be a, a bit of a boring podcast, it seems, because I've also said <laughs> Dennis Schroeder. <laughs> you yeah, know, 19, 19-4-4. You know, he's he's a key key contributor to the Thunder's success, and you know he's he's part of that three man guard lineup that's causing all the problems. And like like and exactly like you said, uh, as good as Lou and Harold have been, they do take away from each other. Um, a combined a combined thirty eight points, ten rebounds, and nine assists from the two of them on the from the bench. Crazy contribution. But I also you also have to kind of recognize that those stats are kind of created in a way because of that situation that they have for the Clippers, that the fact that Kawhi's not playing every game. Paul George hasn't been playing every game uh, because of injury and also rest. So the stats themselves are sort of... I don't feel like they're as real as uh, Schroeder's stats this year. Like last year, if they were having these sorts of stats, you have to say like, yeah, it have to be, you'd have to give it to both of them. Even it'd have to be a two-person, six-man. But this year, in terms of the contribution, in terms of real contribution, you have to give it to Schroeder. Yeah, that's that's a yeah. I I, I think for me, he's he's done enough, and he's he's shown, uh, you know, he, he's he's a bench guy. He's only started one game this year, but he's mm. playing thirty-one minutes off the bench, so he's kind of like a yeah. fake bench guy. But fake, fake bench guy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But Absolutely. yeah, it's still it's still he's still on. The, you know, the the award is specifically people who don't start, um, and, and it, it doesn't. And you really got to expect, even like your six men is always going to finish the games for the most part anyway. Um, but just a couple shout outs. Uh, he he definitely uh, won't have a chance now because he's starting. But my dog D Rose, eighteen points, two and a half rebounds, six assists, forty nine percent from the. Uh, from the field. Nice little comeback season. Nice little show. Everyone, I'm still around season. Uh, it would have been nice to see him get traded to a contender, but it's also nice to see him uh, having a role and having a positive impact on a team, even though it's on the Pistons. 100%, man. That's he, He's slowly been working his way back to this. We saw it last year in Minnesota. He was productive off the bench and and, you know, he kept that up this year with the Pistons. So I, I hope he ends up in a situation where, you know, this level of play for him in this new style of being a six-man kind of gunner uh, is actually on a team that's that's going to win something or at least compete. Yeah, like it would be nice to see him on a Lou, Lou Williams sort of role on a right. contending team. 
I thought I thought he Philly would definitely was, be that sort of player. I thought Philly was a team that could maybe try and prize him away, but uh, you know, there's I, I think there's teams next season that, that will definitely come looking for for D Rose because he's he's shown it in back to back seasons now. It's not just a a one off aberration. This is a new kind of a new kind of D Rose. Yeah, nah, for sure. And uh, going back to the Jazz, you know, one of the I don't think he gets enough credit for the changes that he's made to his game this year. Uh, Jordan Clarkson, you know, I think it, um, I think it's a real big shock to the system when you go from somewhere like LA to Cleveland, when you go from a losing team to now you have to contribute on a team that's expecting a finals uh, victory, and then to then go straight away to a team that's languishing at the bottom of the standings and now be traded to a team that's competing, you know, four, 14 and a half points, two and a half rebounds, two and a half assists, you know, good for you, but good for you, Jordan, man. Like, really, it, it shows that you can reinvent yourself in the NBA and you can be, you can show yourself to be a different player if you want to be. And he's really, he's really impressing me every time I see him play. He's all tatted up now, so it might be sort of, he's just showing off his gangster officially. He's not worrying about the outside, and he's just playing basketball. So got that good VC for you, man. Up. If it's yeah, not true, yeah, like that's what I mean. He's won his VC finally. He's collected all of his VC and he's paid for it all. <laughs> nah, you're you're 100 right. We spoke about him earlier in the show, but uh, he's he's impacting winning as well. There's been big games for him, uh, you know, that matter for the Utah Jazz, and and I think even even if he doesn't win, we'll see a six man of the year in the playoffs because he's going to win yeah. them games. Yeah, nah, for sure, for sure. And uh, finally, coach of the year. Uh, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that we might have the same person, but I'm going with Nick Nurse of the Raptors. Hey, I'm going to switch it up on you. I went with uh, with Taylor Jenkins from Memphis. Oh, okay. Touch on, touch on Mr. Jenkins. I think we already touched on it. Nobody expected this team to be anything this season. And now, now you have a, a, a team that's in the playoff race uh, as it stands, and and he's doing it with kids. This is a young mm. team. Um, again, not a lot was expected uh, of this Grizzlies team, but he's he's got them playing hard. He's got them playing fast, and you have to give him credit. This is you know this is a young coach. He's he's coming to a situation where the development was number one. We're talking about the future, and the future is here. And a lot of that has to do with uh, with him. So Nick Nurse, I mean, deserves a lot of credit, uh, obviously, for keeping the Raptors at that level. And, you know, you can see how big of a difference he's made to this franchise over the last couple of seasons. But mm. you know, I'm going to spread the love around. I think uh, I think the Memphis Grizzlies deserve something out of this season. They'll, they'll get a rookie of the year, but uh, I, I think they deserve a coach of the year. Even yeah, if they're definitely. Not- even yeah, if they're not definitely. going to be in the playoffs uh, and all that, the, the job that he's done with this young crew is, uh, is definitely deserving. Yeah, and it's and it's uh, it's funny to see kind of the the opposite side of the situation uh, in terms of first year coach in uh, for a young team in the Cavs and the situation they're having with their coaching uh, just losing John Beeline, John Beeline leaving after a horrendous start and you know uh, uh, and then creating a, a horrendous work environment for all of his players in the same sort of team situation as the Memphis Grizzlies. And it really does show that the type of impact a a good coach has on a team, irrespective of having good players or not, because 
you would if you had looked at the Memphis uh, roster and the Cleveland roster at the beginning of the season, you know, more or less they're quite similar in regards to the type of young players that they have and the type of veterans that they had. And you were expecting them to go to the same spot in terms of uh, final season standings. But like you said, Taylor Jenkins has really stepped up and really created a, a system that works for his players, allowed his players to really excel in their roles. Uh, whereas Beeline, on the other hand, has created a horrible system, a horrible environment, you know, Cordy's players, thugs, tried try to lie about it and say that he was saying he called them slugs, but who calls a human being a slug in 2020? No one does that. Um, but I went with Nick Nurse, as you said. He's hey. a young coach. John Beeline is 67 years old. 67, <laughs> yeah, yeah, so out of touch. Completely out of touch. Um, but, you know, and, and I think that's also a reason why Nick Nurse uh, ex- is excelling with the Raptors because he's quite young and he can make those uh, connections outside of basketball with his players, and which is kind of showing because everyone is really progressing. Like, no one's, no one's regressed since last year. Everyone's gotten better. Play, new players have come in out of nowhere and playing roles that no one would have expected them. Their second in defensive rating and their fourth overall net in overall net rating. So, as an all-round team, they're really, really kicking off, and we'll see where they end up in the season. I think that might be uh, a big, uh, big indicator whether he'll win or not. If they somehow get the second seed in the in the East, I think you have to give it to him. But yeah. anything less than that, I I, I don't mind Taylor Jenkins. But I also want to give a shout-out to Frankie Vogel, ex-Magic coach. You know, everyone was uh, dogging him at the start of the season, saying LeBron would walk all over him, saying he had no chance. He's come in. He's demanded respect. He's created a staff. He's created a system hey, that works. defense. And he's building it. He's running it off. He's, pro- he's, a, proven, he's a proven coach. Like, but those Indiana teams were no joke. And I think LeBron definitely respects that. And... He's come, LeBron's come with a different attitude as opposed to last year in in terms of his uh, chats with and conversations with the coaches. Uh, I saw a moment where LeBron was just like walking past and slapped Vogel on the butt, you know, and it was like a nice little cordial moment between the two. And for somebody like Vogel, who is getting scrutinized every step of the way, I think um, he's he's doing an amazing job. Got to give a shout-out to Coach Bud at the Bucks. You know, two consecutive seasons, unbelievable. Top of the league, 70 wins possibly, best defense. Like, he's done it again. Another team, Eric Spolstra as well. Miami's just... They're just not stopping. They're just not stopping. Uh, I think we. I think with. I think uh, Eric Spolstra is going to go down as one of those great coaches too. We're going to talk about later on. You know, when we're when we're much older, we're going to be telling our kids about this guy that was a video videographer and it came up and <laughs> coached LeBron to a championship and was a Miami coach for 20, 25 years, like Jerry Salone style. He's not. He's going to be there forever and ever. Yeah, man, but then as well, yeah, the college coach. I want to give a yeah, quick shout out to the college coaches, Brad Stevens and Billy Donovan. 
the changes of situations, losing very volatile point guards and coming back this season and really, uh, really having good seasons again and really propelling their teams to good success. But uh, is there anything else you wanted to touch on? Quickly before we get into our final predictions for the for the final final trophy, I think we dug dug through it all, man. Let's get to the yeah. one that counts. So who do you? So who's who's your final? Who's your final two teams, and who is your eventual NBA champion on the twenty second of February two thousand twenty? I'm calling Lakers Bucks, and I'm 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 still rocking with Bron and the Lakers. You're still going with Bron and the Lakers? Yes, sir. I want I wanna say I wanna say Lakers Bucks, but the more and more I think about it, it's gonna be Clippers Bucks. And I think it's gonna be Clippers. I think Yeah, the that that depth is just too much. And once they get re- once they get through the Lakers, I think that's gonna be their biggest test. And look, they've, they've already shown they've already shown that they can beat the Lakers this season twice. Easy too. They <laughs> so yeah, the, yeah. So the t- the test is definitely going to be the Bucks in the finals, but you know yeah, it's going to be a fantastic is, test, and I can't wait. Can't wait. Are we sure the Bucks are coming out of the East? Because I mean, mm-hmm. I know coming out of the East, but I don't know if it's going to be as straightforward. If it wasn't the Bucks, then if it's not okay, let's 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 go uh, alternate universe. Let's get rid of Clippers. Let's get rid of Lakers. Let's get rid of Bucks. Who would be, who would be your NBA final? My if, alternate universe for uh, for the Eastern Conference, at least. I like the Raptors or the Sixers to come out if it's not the Bucks. Mm-hmm. I think the Raptors, as I said, they've been there before with this group. Uh, most of the group that went there last year, they're still the defending champs, so we've got to give them the respect. And Philly, just from a matchup standpoint, I know they've been, you know, Jekyll and Hyde this season, great at home, terrible on the road. But in terms of the matchup with Giannis, you've got Horford and Embiid, two guys that have shown that they can defend against Giannis and make that a problem. And for some reason, you know, we saw on Christmas Day the, the Sixers against the Bucks just lit them up from the three-point line. The, 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 the matchup between these two teams, uh, I think favors the Sixers, even though you could argue that the Bucks are the better team. So um, they're the two teams that I think could upset uh, upset the the Bucks. Yeah, nah. And then on the West, who would you go? If, if it's not the Lakers or the Clippers, whew, that's tough. That's tough. You know, maybe the Jazz. I, I like what they got going on out there in Utah. Um, outside of that, I, I just can't see another team getting past the Lakers or the Clippers. The, yeah, the Rockets yeah, it's a bit be, too yeah, hard to be honest, but. The, the Jazz and the Rockets both have second-round exit uh, written all over them. Yeah, yeah. So that just speaks to the dominance of the Lakers and Clippers. Yeah, I think, yeah, it's definitely, other than the Lakers uh, or the Clippers, the rest of the West really says second round. <laughs> so it's, it is a bit hard, but irrespective of that, I'm definitely looking forward to uh, the rest of this season. I'm definitely looking forward to what we have in store. Uh we're going to go into part two. We're going to talk a bit more about Binyam personally and his life and everything he does with basketball. So just sit tight and uh, we'll catch you on the other side. <laughs>